music. Next August of the year 2024 will be my 40-year anniversary of, at the age of 17, me joining the United States Marine Corps. In August of 1984, at 17 years old, I left home and ended up at San Diego, the Marine Corps Depot, which is where the basic training is. I was following through with my pledge to serve my country. And I would soon be immersed into a culture and a language of war. Marines are very good at killing and going to war, but not a whole lot of other things. We were taught to kill. And most of the Marines that I know have been in conflicts around the world. And conflict and war is something that is put on, almost like as a mantle, when we're serving. And it was never a matter of if we were going to go into conflicts around the world, but it was a matter of when. Because our United States government seems to be involved in most wars that happen around the world. And whether we go as soldiers or whether we go as advisors, our country is involved in most major conflicts that we see going on today. We send weapons and we send personnel. And in this culture of war, most of our troops do not learn the ways of peace. We learn the ways of taking over other territories, other governments even. Even to the point that still to this day we have a military complex at Fort Benning in Georgia that is, used to be called the School of Americas. And it's at this school that we train foreign troops how to do torture techniques, how to do interrogation techniques. And in the 80s and 90s, they even taught Latin Americans how to do hysterectomies with bayonets. We as a country supported these teaching techniques because of the evils of what we would call communism or socialism in Latin America, we taught hundreds and thousands of soldiers how to make war. And today we still have wars raging, as we see on the news, from Israel and Hamas to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And then we have Qatar. We have many countries around the world that still have conflicts that still have breakdown of communication or the outright just invasion of countries like we see in Ukraine. You see, in these breakdown in relations between countries, war is something that happens when we don't listen to each other, to where we 
try to bring our own objectives and force them upon others. For me, my time in the Marine Corps ended when I could not do war anymore. I got out with a discharge of conscientious objector. And that's when my true quest for peace began. Because I had seen the side of war and what it does to innocent human beings, to nature. We explode ordinances still to this day without even thinking of the consequences that it does to the earth, that it does to the entire layers of groundwater that are underneath our earth, to the plants, to the animals, the trees that grow. You see, I was raised thinking that war was a normal thing. Every generation of my family, going back on both my mother's side and my father's side, have been involved in the military since we, uh, all the way back to the records as far as we can see in our genealogical records. War was something that we blindly supported and thought of it as our duty to be a part of this democracy. And we need military for defense, and we need military to keep our nation strong. But we don't need our military to be invading oppressed peoples and passing on these torches of violence with just blindly accepting that there is no other way but war. I'm not against the use of justified force, but for a strong defense. And so as I began dismantling my own heritage of my own family, I began dismantling my own inner core, my own spirituality. And at that time, I was very much an evangelical Christian following the ways of Jesus while giving a blind eye to some of Jesus' words. Because at the heart of what Jesus taught when, what, from what we have recorded in the New Testament, he showed a strong resistance to war and to conflict. He showed that we should be peacemakers, that we should actually be dismantling these systems like that he lived in to create peace in our world. And this dismantling of my own spirituality eventually led me to the UUA, like where we sit today. The Unitarian Universalist Association is very familiar and have been involved in both protest of war and in service to our country and wars. We live with that tension even today we see in our world that many of our members support Israel unendingly. Many of our members support the Palestinian people unendingly. And in some ways, we even have conflict within our own association. But one thing that we are clear on is we stand firm against the oppression and the violence done to innocent people. That is a part of who we are 
in our heritage. Being peacemakers is difficult. It's easy to go to war. The, fa- the flames of violence burn hot and quick. But the persistence of peace is slow and methodical and steady. It's not easy to jump into conflict when being peaceful is at the heart of your core. You see, every religion in the world preaches peace. But every religion in the world also preaches war when it's done for the right reasons according to those religions. But when you scrape away the violence and the language of war in these religions at their core, just like we heard from the Bhagavad Gita, peace is at the core. Conflict is when our relationships don't work out. And of course, many of our traditions have scriptures and old writings that support our wars, that support our conflicts if we're doing it in a just way. But at the heart of the religions is peace and love. Even the prophet Muhammad, according to those that are in the Islamic faith, preached peace. He tried to get his followers to get along with each other and to spread messages of peace. But we see the corruption of both the Christian scriptures, Muslim scriptures, and even Hindu scriptures being used today in India for nationalistic and fascist ideals. But that's not who we as a UU people are. We're called to go the extra mile when conflict arrives. We're called to be that third way. It's easy to fight or flight, but it takes courage and it takes strength for us as a people to stand in the middle, resisting the war and resisting the flight, to stand together in peace. South Africa lived under an apartheid government for many generations. Colonialism was alive and well and active in South Africa way up into the 80s and the 90s, and some would say it's still happening. But because of the resistance brought about by people like Bishop Desmond Tutu, who said, If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. (laughs) Bishop Tutu envisioned his own movement and his own people in a way that called out the oppressive actions towards the people of South Africa and towards the oppressed people of any country around the world. Bishop Tutu spread a message of peace and radical nonviolence. The eventual president of South Africa, 
who has spent most of his adult life in prison, Nelson Mandela, radiated that conviction as well. And eventually, being let out of prison, won the first democratic vote of South Africa to be their leader. I have a quote from Emmanuel Contagola, who speaking about South Africa, he said, while they carried a great burden about gaps of injustice, Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela radiated conviction